on standing firm. It's really the premise of last week was about standing firm. And so I'm going to continue with that today, but I just need to finish off where we were last week because last week we, we talked about different types of faith, you know, a, a faith that's full of action, a, a faith that perseveres, a salvation type faith. And we, we talked about that love and faith actually go hand in hand together. And so with that um, as a backdrop and a premise, uh, I'm just going to pray and then we'll jump straight in and we'll see what God does today. Amen. So Father, I just thank you for the opportunity, Lord, uh, that we have to sit at your feet. We thank you for the time that we had to bring our, our worship, Father, our voices, Lord, our song to you. Father, I thank you that you inhabit the praises of your people. And Lord God, may we be a people that in rain, hail or shine will always lift our voices to you, God. Lord, that you truly are the same yesterday, today and forever, that your heart towards us is always good. So, Father, with that in mind, Lord, may you pour out your blessing this morning. Father, may you shape us, change us, do what you need within us, that, Father, we may walk away, you know, more and more in the image of your Son, Jesus, that those that we bump into would discover you through us because of what you've done in us. And so we just give you all the glory and all the honour today. And everybody said, Amen. So um, I was in First Thessalonians last week, chapter 3. Um, I'll start there and then I'll bounce around because I'm going to play around First Thessalonians um, just over the next couple of weeks is the plan. Anyone had an exceptional week this week? Anyone win Tats Lotto? Anyone play Tats Lotto? <laughs> no, dang, I was really hoping for a jump in the tithes and offerings. Anyway, First Thessalonians um, chapter 3, verse 6. Uh, we were playing with it last week. But Timothy has just now come to us from you and has brought good news about your faith and love. So it's your faith and love. That's where I was going last week. It's your faith and love together. It's not one or the other. It's no good saying that you're a person of faith and you have not love. It's not not good saying that you're a person who loves but yet you have no faith in the living God it really they don't work they actually belong together always yeah faith and love and, and so love is a part of this story that we were looking at last week in Thessalonians and you and I we have the opportunity to bring love through our faith and because of our faith in every area of our life whether it's in church in family whether it's at our workplace we have the opportunity to bring love in everywhere and what I love is that the passages of Scripture actually kick off and say, especially those in the family of faith. I, I love that Scripture because there is so, this is my hobby horse for those that are a guest today. Um, I can't fathom, yeah, ha, do not have the ability, the intelligence, the emotional intelligence to understand how Christians can actually hate one another when the Bible continually says, love one another, especially those in the family of faith. Yeah, I don't get it. Makes no, no sense to me. And so you and I have this opportunity to show and demonstrate this love that, that, that God actually demands from us in a way. Let's love everyone. Let's love those that are... And, and sometimes it can be easy to love those that, are, that you like. You, know? you can love those that are like you. But sometimes you meet, meet people that are, are not like you. And sometimes people aren't very likable. 
and they're probably the ones that are the the most difficult to love yeah we need to love them too yeah we need to love those that are like us that aren't like us those that are nice that those that aren't so nice we're just supposed to love and and actually in that realm that's when love really manifests itself so for us let's rejoice like really truly regardless of size let's rejoice in in your church family if this is your church family you should be excited about it you should enjoy it you should love it you should champion it because there's people in the house that love you and in turn there's people that actually appreciate and love the fact that you love them back you know it's so easy uh i I guess in church life to be picky you know the music wasn't right i really loved it back in the 50s when we sang hymns you know i liked manual cars when they had leaded petrol who remembers leaded petrol wasn't the smell of leaded petrol awesome (laughs) anyway like don't ask me why i know that (laughs) you know or imagine you go to church and they serve you a coffee and it's cold. Oh, heaven forbid, you know. Or you walk in the front door and the person that's greeting just happens to turn around. And you know how sometimes you can just have a face that looks like it's been punched? And you just happen to turn around and you see someone, you say hi, but you haven't smiled. And that, that person that you didn't smile at, they're now telling the world that they went to a church that someone didn't smile at them. <laughs> we, it's so easy for us to be picky yet i am so glad for who we are as family life church mel and i are glad for who we continue to evolve into and grow into as god calls us to be a place that loves one another even in places and in situations and in subjects that we might disagree with um, agree with each other in that's the spirit that we need to get and and timothy in, in thessalonians 3 he's encouraging paul and and he there's this encouraging report to Paul and, 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 and from Paul. And Paul is going, you know what? Hey, Thessalonian church, I actually thank God for you. I mean, you know what? I've heard stories. I thank God for you. And in fact, because of your faith and love, now I can really live. That means that you and I as a church, that means Mel and I as pastors, the board as leaders can say, you know what? We thank God for Family Life Church. We thank God for every, every member of, of the house those that come regularly, those that come not so regularly, slap, slap. Those that are, that are here, those that are at home, you know, like we thank God for each and every one of you, those that give, those that, that should give, you know, like we, we love God for every one of you. Paul is he's encouraging and, he, and he's also trying to exhort the church forward because in this passage of Thessalonians, there's a prayer for us. That means there's a prayer for both you and I. There's a prayer for the Thessalonians in verse 10. Because verse 10 reads in First Thessalonians 3. Don't you wish we could just abbreviate the books of the Bible? In First Thessy, you know? That would be so easy. But you know what will happen? There'll be some theologian somewhere in this house, hidden. Yeah? Someone that'll tell me, I've disrespected the Bible because I've called Thessalonians Thessy. So I won't... I won't, I won't. I'm not going to upset you today. For today, it'll be Thessalonians. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10 says, Night and day we pray. <laughs> Did I get myself into hot water? We pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. It's a fact that we do pray for each other and, and, and it's a fact that we're actually called to pray 
So it's just not what we pray for and who we pray for. Let's narrow it down a bit more. It's the fact that we actually pray for each other. Yeah, We pray for each other. And how do we pray? I love this. We pray for each other night and day earnestly. Earnestly. Man, that is so cool. Earnestly. We pray. I love this. We don't have to come to church. I'm on my hobbies. We don't have to come to church because I can be a Christian at home. We pray night and day earnestly that we, we would see you again. I mean, that's church in action. That's people loving one another. That we would want to see each other again and not see at home and say, man, I really love hanging out with you, but hey, we'll catch up in about two years. It's not what the Bible, that is not biblical for those that are listening at home. Not biblical, regardless of where you got your theology from. Not biblical. These guys are longing to spend time with one another. And it's earnest and it's night and day. In fact, if you have a look at the Matthew Henry commentary in relation to that passage of Scripture, Matthew Henry goes on to say in relation to earnest prayer night and day. He writes, you pray for them night and day, evening and morning, very frequently, <laughs> in the midst of the busyness of the day or in the midst of the slumber of night. Lifting up your heart to God in prayer, you should pray always. I like that commentary. That's pretty thorough. So you and I, let's make sure that we're a people that pray and seek God always, that pray for each other earnestly night and day. Why? Because I need your prayers. My, yeah, I know my wife's saying really good, but she's like, yes, he does need your prayers. You know, like, he really does need your prayers, please. Like, I, I'm sure inside you say, please, please, please pray more for him. Like, we all, we need each other's prayers, yeah? Let's pray for each other. Yes, we pray for our, for our needs. We pray for the sick. We want to pray for safety and protection for families, for our children. But I guess part of us, while we're praying for each other, let's pray that we see the kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven let's pray that we see revival kingdom come in us because as i was sharing with my brother chris just earlier revival starts in each and every individual as we get revived in our faith amen so let's pray for each other and let's pray heaven down so that we can actually maybe possibly not have to read about revivals but maybe you and i can experience a revival in our time hey that that would be cool wouldn't it yeah, and revival doesn't mean you're a church of 10,000. Revival means that the presence of God is so real, so thick, every moment of every day that people are flocking from anywhere and everywhere, even breaking windows to get in to make room because they just want to be in the presence of God. And that everyone's alive. We can't help but pray for one another. We can't help but pray for the sick. It's, just, it's almost like, you know, in revival, I might even put a Jesus sticker on my car. Only if I'm in revival, because otherwise I could turn people away from the faith if they saw a Jesus sticker on the back of my car. Anyway, verse 11 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 reads, Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come to you. Oh my goodness, not only do they not want to stay away, not only are they praying that they will see each other, they're actually praying that God will make a way to make sure that happens. Man, I love that. Because you know what? I reckon people are praying that there will always be a blockage and a reason for them not to have to come. But here, it's not what's, it's not what's happening here. 
I love this. And please, this is in no way a criticism, a critique. This is commentary. Because for you and I that love Jesus, this, is, this should be burning inside of us. This is the, 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 the flame that he fans, that grows. The desire to be in his presence, to be with one another. You know, in that, that scripture itself, now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come to you. I actually believe that what Paul is, is praying, he's also praying that Father God will just clear the way for them to be with one another. Paul is praying for real life fellowship. Yeah, real life fellowship. Because let's face it, he's been marooned, he's, he's been through all sorts of stuff and now he's saying, I just want a clear path to get to you. Why? Why? Because he wants fellowship in his heart. Paul, the apostle that we love, he is burning to have fellowship with other believers. You know, there's none of this, how you doing, I'm fine type stuff. He wants real fellowship. He wants fellowship where the walls come down. He wants fellowship where people are vulnerable, which is really hard because people don't always have a great upbringing. And the reason that people aren't vulnerable is because they protect themselves from what they've experienced. But then we miss out on all that God has and wants you know, for us because he needs us to be vulnerable to get to the hurt and the pain so that he can relieve it in Jesus' name. Yeah? You know, over the years, the standard response, I think, in the past was, how are you going, Mel? How are you going? I'm fine. Terrific is a good answer. These days, I try to say living the dream. I don't think people believe me. Maybe it's because I don't have a smile on my face. How you going? Living the dream. But it seems to have changed because generally what you hear is, how are you? I'm busy. No, I didn't say what you were doing. I asked you how you were. I'm busy. It seems to have changed over time because it's true that we're busy. We're all, we're all juggling a lot of stuff. Like, let's face it, 20, 30 years ago, one wage was enough to pay a mortgage. Now, one wage, you're struggling to, actually, you're paying your mortgage at the interest rates now. You're probably struggling to, to eat or to pay bills and you're, you're, and you're juggling. And so both pe people in the home have to work and sometimes you hope that your kids will move out early. No mothers in the house, only fathers, I know, right? All sorts of stuff, right? Because we're just busy trying to get through life. But isn't it interesting that no matter how busy we are, that there's a couple of balls that we do not drop. We don't drop social media. I'm guilty of that. Social media doesn't get affected. We're not dropping the ball of chores that have to be done at home. I see it in Mel. She's vacuuming still. She's washing still. She's still having a go at me because I haven't put away my underwear. Like We're still doing our chores. Some of it, no, maybe she's doing hers and I'm not doing mine. It's probably more true. Yeah. There's things that we, we, haven't, we haven't dropped. We're not dropping the ball on our favorite TV shows, especially now that we can stream. How good is it? Because you can get your favorite show, and instead of watching it once a week over half a year, you can do it in a day. No one's ever sat and binged anything, have they? Yeah, not going to put my hand up for that one, Pastor. <laughs> what did you do with day off? Oh, I just rested, yeah rested got through the whole five seasons of SWAT didn't you <laughs> you know we're not dropping the ball on our addictions you got to hear this we're not dropping the ball on our on, on our and our lust or our bad habits sometimes we're actually holding on to those things until our knuckles go white 
But we do, really. Again, commentary. Get easily, we sort of easily neglect communion with the Father. And sometimes we actually even drift from the fellowship. We can go three weeks, four weeks, five weeks, six weeks without even fellowshipping with one another. Social media is intact. Haven't fallen behind on my TV show. I wonder whether you and I standing firm, I wonder whether it means that we really need to pour into each other. Part of it's that. You know, the ability to pour, pour into each other, recognizing that we're actually investing in each other, actually recognizing that we're investing in the next generation as well. And then fixing our eyes on Jesus. There's an author. And his name's Jeff Shinnebarga. Don't try to spell it. Took me forever. Anyway, he wrote, he wrote this. Let me paint a picture. You attend a social gathering of some kind, and there are 25 people in the room, and you connect with a friend, and the conversation's going great. You're catching up. You actually, you've gone beyond the surface niceties. You've just begun to share something you know your friend is going to love to hear. When a new group of people enters the room, and all of a sudden your friend's eyes, they wander to the new group. And you watch him both physically and mentally check out. How do you feel? A moment before you felt important, connected to the person, suddenly you feel like you've moved down a couple of notches on the social status totem pole. And he goes on to say, I've been the recipient of wandering eyes, but I've also been the person with wandering eyes, as I'm sure you have too. But I don't want to be that person anymore. Maybe some of standing firm is keeping our eyes fixedly glazed on Jesus and not for the next thing that walks into the room. Maybe part of standing firm in a family of God is fixing our eyes on each other, knowing that we're investing and not being distracted by the new people that have walked into, the, into our lives, that it can distract us away from all of that. We've got to cherish each other. And Paul, Paul's saying... May the way be cleared for us so that we can do fellowship with each other. May those new things that come in, may they be taken out. Yeah? In the midst of our busyness, let's learn to appreciate each other. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 1 to 12, still standing firm. As for the matters, brothers and sisters, we instructed you how to live in order to please God. As in fact you are living. Now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more, for you know what instructions we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. Verse 3, it is God's will that you should be sanctified. Wow, can't fit that gospel into that. some lifestyles, can you? That you should avoid sexual immorality. <laughs> Better rip that page out. Yeah. <laughs> Have you noticed 
that those early voices, uh, verses, they, that every phrase seems to be emphasizing for me there's a right way to live. It's like Paul's giving us some instructions. He's, th- there's direction on how to live from the living God. Yeah? So if we're, we're a believer, we probably need to know some of these passages. Yeah? So verse 3, I know I read it, but it's God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God. We don't need to read articles and papers from pagans that don't know God, in other words. Yeah? It's particularly about sexuality. If they're not a believer in Jesus, unless their stuff lines up with the Word of God, why do Christians read it and then make their own theology out of it? We don't need to go to Satan for advice. Oh, big word. Sorry, didn't want to. Sometimes you've got to drop a bomb. We need the Word of God for us, you and I, yeah? particularly if we're going to stand firm. For us, there is no 50 shades of grey. There's really not, yeah? It's very clear in the Word of God. It's black or white. It's very plain for us, even for us here today, for those that are listening at home. Verse 5 says, Not in passionate lust, like the pagans who do not know God, and that in this matter no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister. The Lord will punish all those who commit such sins, as we told you and warned you above. Verse 7, For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Man, He's a holy God. That's actually really exciting, because no other deity that anyone else in the world follows is holy. I guarantee you that. Therefore, anyone who rejects this instruction does not reject a human being, but God. The very God who gives you his Holy Spirit. Now, about your love for one another, we do not need to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. Jeez, I love that one too. What a warm encouragement (laughs) from Paul to the Thessies, to the Thessalonians, uh, about the way they love each other. You know, I've said it before, I said it just before, but I love this church because of the way each individual loves on each other. I love it. I see it in friendship groups. I see the way people get around, the way food gets shared. And sometimes we got a couple of cracks and we miss a couple and we find stuff out late, but we try to love on people as much as we can. I love this house. I love Family Life Church. I love the sweet spirit in this place. God is, for me anyway... And again, I've said it before, I'm biased. God is on the move in this place. So here's Paul and he commends the church. He's encouraging them. You yourself have been taught by God to love each other. Verse 10 says, And in fact, you do love all of God's family throughout Macedonia. Yet we urge you, brothers and sisters, to do so more and more. Not less and less. To love on each other more and more. I love that. So however, what he's saying is, however much we've loved in the past, we're going to love more. That, that's got to be our heart's cry. Maybe we should splash that on a wall somewhere in some funky, you know, italic font that says, we're going to love more. You know, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 10 and 11. We're going to love more. 
We're going to go over and beyond. You know, verses 11 and 12, and to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, you should mind your own business and work with your hands, just as we told you, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so that you will not be dependent on anybody. I love, I love this. Has anyone looked at the church grounds over the last month? I, I love the fact that we can look out there and now we've actually got some, some, some mowed lawns. This is, this is definite, certainly in no way any critique for anyone that helps and volunteers here. It's been really wet, exceptionally wet. And we're, we're relying on volunteers. And if a volunteer is available today and it's pouring rain today, it's not their fault. We actually thank every volunteer that does everything in this place. But we've had grass that's been growing that's been so thick. We were in Geelong yesterday. We parked a car on the side of the road and outside a hairdresser, like, you're, it's a business. The grass was this thick. Like, where you stepped, it left your footprints. Like, we opened up the passenger door at the front and it actually got caught in the grass that was so thick. And there's a door to walk into a business. Like, really, take care of it, will you? You know, and, and I'm talking to myself with all the stuff that's been going on here and the, the weeds that are growing. What I love is normally we can look across and everything is well kept. Everything is trim. Like it's really, when it's all mowed and in the right light, it looks, it looks beautiful. In fact, one of, our, one of our volunteers, when the grass was not long, but just a little bit long, actually went really low on the mower right in the center of the field you couldn't see it unless you walked out there or for google and their little drones he actually mowed a perfectly right perfectly measured out cross in the center of the field while the grass was growing so if anything flew over top that's what they would see i thought that was brilliant i wish we had spray paint we should have gone out there and painted it as well normally it looks beautiful you can look across the top and it, it's just lovely it's maintained at the moment, though, there's weeds and they're shooting up everywhere. And in fact, up until recently, it was almost unrecognizable when the long grass came all the way to the side. You know the grass is long because when, when our wonderful anointed pianist, when Andrew doesn't park where he normally parks and he parks over here because the grass is too long and he thinks I might get bogged. You know, you know you're not looking after the property as well as you could, right? It was unrecognizable. It didn't look the same. It's not as, in, as inviting as it normally is. And you know what the tragedy is? The tragedy is this, that there, there are some believers that can look just like that. A well-tended paddock, church grounds, all of a sudden somewhat neglected, and we compromise where we give our time and then all of a sudden there's a thorn here and there's a weed there and we've left it virtually unattended so they just get bigger and bigger you know we've stopped cutting the grass we've stopped mowing we've, we've stopped treating it poisoning it almost like we stopped caring for it and it grew and it grew and it grew until it became unrecognizable isn't it doesn't it sound like a parable of Jesus one of the ones that Jesus taught the parable of the sower the sower went you know, and, the, and went to, to sow seed and some fell on the pathway. Some people, they are very quick to reject Jesus, don't they? Many do. Some fell on hard ground and, 
you know we we responded in faith and we got baptized and we grew up quickly but because because we had no root we sort of just got burned up and the plant wasn't able to survive and I guess there are some believers that are like that they start quickly but fade away you know I guess on the positive end others are following Jesus 30 60 90 fold that's an awesome harvest you know of what God's doing but then there's the other category category that the seed fell in the thorns and and here we we have to ask where the believer is in this when there's thorns did they reject God quickly did they stop standing firm Uh, are they on fire for God were they on fire for God are uh, are we on fire for God or are we caught up in the weeds and the thorns that are now growing up around us so often so many believers that ended up with thorns and weeds all around them they got they get under us they get over us and we're not the person or the people that God had intended us to be You know, this is a call to holiness today. This is where I'm going. Yeah. To stand firm. Like, to stand firm. This is a call to cut out the weeds. This is a call for a fresh start. To to realize that the most important thing is the seed of the kingdom of God in my heart. That's the most important thing. And it's been placed there by Jesus. So stand firm, brothers and sisters. Nothing, nothing else. Nothing else matters i'm not going to justify myself i'm not going to want things for myself i'm going to want things for jesus and if i want things for jesus i know that they'll be good for me as well and the key word that paul uses here is sanctify he actually uses the word sanctified if it's there in our reading it's in verse 3 it's also in the next chapter in chapter 5 verse 23 of Thessalonians it says may God himself the God of peace sanctify you through and through what does sanctified mean It, it sounds spiritual I don't like to use it I don't like using spiritual words because sometimes there are people that don't understand them but we've been called to holiness so what does sanctified mean it means to to make holy it means to be set apart it means to be separate in a good way it also means this is a fun one it also means brightness i love that picture personally myself because it's helpful think about it think about our prayers lord help me to have your brightness lord help me to shine like your brightness like I, i just think it's a easy picture for us to grab hold to think you know it's just it's it's cool it helps me anyway so here we've got and we have to shine so that people around us can see jesus and they see the risen jesus when we're shining when we're as bright as he is when we're sanctified set apart made holy thank you it also means sacred it also means dedicated it also means consecrated and sanctification is our word for today and in simple simple terms it means being made more like jesus <laughs> really let's let's dumb it down for the theologians sanctification being made more like jesus much easier in church to say god wants you to be more like his like his son than to say he wants to sanctify you yeah sometimes you're just going to say it and tell it and share it the way it is yeah so one of the things that we've got to talk about in this passage of scripture is that he wants to make us more like jesus so the 
I guess the reality is that's a work of God himself in us. It's nothing that you and I can do. Only he can make you more like Jesus. Only he can sanctify you. Is that fair? I can't sanctify you, nor can you sanctify me. Only God can do this work. And, and it's about a living relationship. It's about being, being part and abiding in the vine. It means that that seed, that kingdom seed within us is actually growing, that we've been born again. And I'm living again for Jesus. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. This is a work of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2 says, To the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. It's your work. It's your work with God. It's my work with God. While he does a work in us, he's doing this sanctifying work. The sanctification work done in us is solely a work of God. Man, I love that. But for that to happen, we've got to stand firm. For that to happen, we have to remain focused. For that to happen, we can't let the weeds and the thorns grow around us because they'll distract us. All who have called on his name all who have called on the name of jesus god wants us all to be sanctified we're not just concerned about making it home to heaven though that's a good thing i don't want to spend eternity in hell or if you don't like that word for those that don't believe it exists that listen online to spend an eternity absent of love to spend an eternity separated from God. I really don't care people's picture of hell, whether they think it's fire and brimstone and sulfur. I really, for me, it matters not. What does matter is that hell is at least, at the very least, a total absence from the loving God. And if love is not there, then I don't want to be around the stuff that remains. Is that fair? It is darkness because there's certainly no brightness there. You know, we're concerned and we should be concerned about walking on a pathway until our dying day so that he can make us more like his son Jesus. Yeah? In Romans 15, 16 says, To be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles, he gave me the priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel of God so that the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. You can't be sanctified without the Spirit of God. Cannot. Cannot, cannot, cannot. Cannot. Don't like the Holy Spirit. Bad luck. Bum, bum, no deal. If you want to be sanctified, Holy Spirit's involved. He does the work. First Peter 1, 2. To be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles, he gave me the priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel of God so that the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. I read something wrong before. No, they both say the same. Good, I'm on the, on the right track. Both Romans and, uh, and also in Peter, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. Like we need Him. I know that this is a church of Christ. Praise God we changed the name to Family Life Church. Praise God there are some awesome Pentecostal charismatic churches of Christ around. But there's some also some really conservative ones that don't move and flow in the Holy Spirit, which is really sad because the Holy Spirit wants to sanctify us. So why are you leaving Him out? Don't leave him out. <laughs> he wants to sanctify you. 
The work of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is to sanctify us, to make us more like Jesus. And this affects every part of our lives. And, and there's really three verses that we've got to look at a bit more closely. And, I, and I'm, I'm out of time, but I'm just going to finish this section here, and I'm going to continue it next week. I knew I would be continuing it next week, so this isn't caught, caught me by surprise, believe it or not. So may God, again, verse, chapter 5, verse 23, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's all of us. Sanctification is a work of God in our body, in our soul and in our spirit. It's a setting apart, making holy of all of us. That means everything I've got, every part of my life. In, in every part of my life, the Holy Spirit's at work. He doesn't leave bits out. It's every part. And the most important thing in my life is not that, it, you know, for me to get through the month. It's not for me to hold on to my job. It's not to be able to pay my bills. As wonderful as those things are, it's not that I, I, I'd be able to do great things with my kids or, or pay for my kids to go to a private school. They're all good too. But that's not the most important thing. The most important thing in my life is to be made more like Jesus. If I'm less like Jesus today then the day that I said yes to him, then something's wrong. Because we're on a journey being sanctified by the Holy Spirit to be set apart, to be more like his son. Because he uses us, hands and feet extended, not the holy of holy sitting on green seats in mega churches. He uses you and I to reach those that are out there because he's made us like Jesus. That's the most important thing, to be made like him. Every part of us, stand firm. Allow Papa God to do what he's planned and purposed to do. So what's going on in my life, it, it, it's not how well the Western Bulldogs go, though we know that they really should be grand finalists every year if you're an AFL supporter. There is no other team to barrack for. That's, even though that's not the most important thing, it's not about how well I play golf. And I only play golf once every five to ten years. Yeah, it's not about how badly I play either. You know, I said to Mel recently, I said, I need some new golf clubs. She goes, you don't play. I go, it's not the point. It's about having them. <laughs> she, men, she didn't understand that. She didn't get that. You, you men understand what I'm saying. You're like, it's just about, hey, they're my golf clubs. You know, she didn't get it. Anyway, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to get them, but I'm just putting it out there. It's not about how well I play golf. It's not even, hear my heart, it's not even about how well this church does. The most important thing, it's about what Jesus is working in me. That's the most important thing. And, and that's what's going on in my life and in your life. God is on the move in our lives, yeah? And he's constantly drawing you and I closer to him. Constantly. That's what's happening. And the question is whether we're, we're responding in obedience. And sometimes we don't. We don't respond in obedience because sometimes what God calls is really tough. And there are times, though, in our lives that God needs to prune us and he needs to mold us, you know. He needs to shape us. Sometimes he needs to cut us. But all because he's trying to make us into the image of his son. Doesn't the word say, I'm the vine, you are the branches? Stop telling him how to cut you. He knows what he's doing. My father's the gardener, so stand firm. Stand firm. Trust him. You know, what, what is God doing? 
Often we ask, why is this? Have you ever asked this? I know I'm over time and I apologise. Have you ever asked this? Why is this happening to me? Come on, if we're to be honest, most of us. Why? Why now? I'm not again. I can't believe it, you know? Because we're trying to blame someone because it helps give us some semblance of sanity. But sometimes you can't blame anyone. Sometimes God is actually allowing stuff to be taken from us. Doesn't he say in Job 121, Naked I come from my mother's womb, and naked I'll depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. Now let me bring some context here before someone takes it out of context. God doesn't rip stuff out of your life. Essentially what Job is saying, Job is acknowledging that despite what happened, God is still in control. Whether I've got it, God's in control. Whether I've lost it, God is in control. Yeah, He's saying that God rules over all, that, everything under he, that God has everything under his control. And you know what? That brings comfort to Job. And maybe you and I need to just start trusting God, knowing that he's got things in control, regardless of the season that we go through. Amen? Job doesn't blame God for any of his troubles. So when we're asking, why is this happening? The most important thing is that we become more like Jesus and to remember that we're supposed to become more like Jesus. And I don't know about you, but when the toughest times come, when the hardest, the new, the new troubles, the new trials, the, the car broke down again, the clutch went, it's going to cost me two grand, someone drove through my house, whatever it might be, right? When stuff happens... When all of those life's up and downs happen, sometimes we can forget that Abba God is still in control. That Abba Father is actually going to use every situation for good, yes, to draw us closer to Him so that He can set us apart, sanctify us, make us more like His Son, Jesus. So be encouraged. Why don't we all stand? Be encouraged. Be encouraged. No matter what's going on in your world right now, no matter what, there's a great work, a growing work that's actually happening inside of us that can bear and will bear much fruit in our lives, a work that will be of eternal value. Man, that's really exciting in amongst all of the stuff that happens in life. So don't let the weeds grow. Don't let the thorns grow. Because that's only going to spoil the very thing that matters the most, and that's becoming more and more like Jesus. Stand firm. Let him finish his work. Jeez, I had some good stuff. I won't go there. I'm just like I just feel for I'm just I'm just getting into it. It will be. Stand firm. Let's work with him. Let's cooperate with him. Let's allow Father to be the head of our lives. Amen? And not just in speech, but in reality. Let him be the head of our lives. Let's allow him to reign supreme in our lives. Let's hold nothing back. No thing back from him. No secrets from God. Amen? He wants to sanctify. He wants to set you apart. He wants to make you holy. Holy Spirit wants to do that. So, Father, this day, oh, 
Who wants to be more like Jesus? Like, come on. I know it's a trick question because if you say no, then you look foolish to the person next to you. But seriously, if you're in a house of God, a Jesus-loving church, and someone says, do you want to be more like Jesus? And you say no, I think you're in the wrong church. Yeah, like, no, no, I want to be more like Buddha. We can do that from eating, but not spiritually. It's not going to work. It's not going to work in this house anyway. Yeah? If you want to be more like Jesus, then you're in the right place. So let's be more like Jesus. Let's allow him. Let's focus on him. Let's not allow the things that can come, the new people that, that rob us of his attention from him. Let's stop those weeds from growing. Let's, let's buy the poison that's going to work for us to be able to poison the weeds around our lives, whatever it is, so that we can be more like his son. Yeah? Let's hold nothing back. I mean, that's, that's revival. That's a people that changes stuff around them. So, Father, this day, God, you saw, Lord, every heart answer that question. Lord, we all desire to be more like your son, Jesus. We all long, in fact, to be more like him, to speak like him, to have his patience. We thank you for the power that lives in us, Lord God. Give us the faith to step out and see the outworking of that as we pray for one another, as we love one another. God, may we truly be your hands and feet extended in this place. Lord, we allow you, God. We, in fact, we employ you to make us more into the image of your Son. We give you, Lord, the permission to shape us and to mold us. God, we know there are times it's going to be tough, God, where it's going to feel like you're squeezing a bit harder, you've, you've cut a bit too far, but God, we're trusting in you. Lord, you are, Lord, the gardener, and Lord, we are the branches attached to your vine. And so, God, this day we're going to trust you. We're going to be a people, God, in this place, Father, in person, online, that are going to stand firm in you. We're going to be a people that gives you all the glory. We're going to be a people that others discover the love of God through us because of what you've done in us as we love one another. And so, God, we thank you, Lord, for this chance. We thank you for this word. We thank you, Lord, for what you're doing within us, in all of us. We all give you praise. We all give you honor. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Hey, don't miss out next week. I'm only getting into it. Next week's going to be really cool, like it really will be. I'll be the smiling assassin and I'll have some fun, but hey, let's become more like Jesus in Jesus' name, amen.